What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week this week and every week. In this episode, myself and my co-host Mark are going to go over some of the big differences between the NHL and the NFL draft. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of each type of draft, and we're going to talk about which ones each of us prefer at the end of the episode. So stick around and let's have some fun. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who listens to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe to me on the listening platform of your choice and leave me a good thumbs up rating so that more people can find out about this podcast. Also, if you like this podcast, do not underestimate the word of mouth. Make sure you tell your friends, you tell your family to give me a listen because they might also like what they hear. You can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, right here on Anchor. You can follow me on Twitter at SportstalkBuff1. That's SportstalkBuff1 on Twitter. You can also email me at SportstalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Now let's get on with the rest of the episode. All right, let's jump right into this episode by introducing my co-host for this episode. It is my buddy, Mark. Mark, how are you this evening, sir? Oh man, I'm doing great. It's been a little while. How have you been? It has been a little while. I did put out an episode last week for the first time in like three weeks. Uh, hopefully it is being received very well by, uh, you know, the listeners and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to jump right back into things and really start, you know, churning out some good content for the people here with, with no sports, people need something to latch onto. They need entertainment and I'm here to provide it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you're doing me a favor by taking on some of the, the lost episodes as it were from my podcast that I never got to fully pursue. So I appreciate you taking on these topics and putting them out there for, for the world to hear. Absolutely. I mean, you have some really good topics. You always have good ideas. At least I think you have good ideas. Hopefully people who listen to us think you have good ideas. Also, (laughs) I like talking about this kind of stuff. I hope people like listening about this kind of stuff. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the NHL and the NFL draft, the pros and cons to each one and which ones we prefer, uh, which draft method we prefer because there are some pretty big differences between the NFL draft and the NHL draft. And we're going to get into some of the differences as we keep going. So Mark, why don't you kick it off? And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the pros of the NFL draft. I, it it took a few years for this to kind of, to kind of come to me because, you know, you, you start off as a fan of the sport. And then once you start getting into the the finer details of the sport, you you start to take on a new appreciation for it. And I think no better appreciation is earned when you start to go through each league's draft process. So I, I think without question, you know, everyone could agree that the NFL draft is probably right up there with sporting events like the Super Bowl or the World Series or just just anything that's going on. I mean, people literally say the NFL season almost never ends. It's a 
12 month thing. It's a full year extravaganza. Even when the Super Bowl is done, there's maybe a lull for maybe a week or two. And then things pick, pick right up because then they're going into the combine. Uh, from there, they're, they're doing pro day or, I mean, it's just, there's so much to get excited about and people are doing their mock drafts and some guys are, are, are kind of getting an uptick in their draft stock because of, you know, just anything that they had a great pro day, a great showing at the combine, whatever it is. So it's just, it's always exciting. And I think that the NFL does a really good job of catering to its fans during its most celebrated event of the year. I mean, they have been, they started moving the event to markets around the league outside of New York city, where it had been held since 1965. And since 2015, the draft has been hosted by Chicago twice, Philly, Dallas, and then most recently it was in uh, Nashville and future locations such as Cleveland and Kansas City are on the docket for 2021 and 2023. Um, it was supposed to be in Vegas with, you know, the Raiders are, are, are moving there and they got the new stadium. So it just, it seemed like a good idea to have it there. But obviously with the pandemic going on, they had uh, to move it to just like a ESPN, just across the board kind of thing. And how did I thought you, they did a great job with gonna, that as well. I was just going to say, mm-hmm. how did you like the, the format for the, the NFL draft this year with everything going on? I thought that it was actually pretty cool the way that they did things. Obviously, it was a little bit different. Everything had to be done during video calls mm-hmm. and everything like that. But I, I thought that they actually did a fairly decent job. It was still... Pretty exciting. It was still fun to watch. Uh, it was just a little different. Yeah, no, it, I, I, you know, it, it took a little getting used to, but I, it was really nice because they they were kind of forced to get a little extra creative, right? I mean, they've always done a great job, um, you know, when they were live, when they had, you know, actual crowds, they had the players, you know, when they were doing it right there um, with everyone around, but. I thought like some of the the player profiles and the packaging and and the stories that they come, you know, they they kind of went the extra mile with it because they had to, right? You know, you don't you don't have that other essence of like I said of having people live and and in living color as it were. Um, but I thought, I thought it was an admirable job. They did it, you know. It was still entertaining. I enjoyed it. You know, I I sat here right in front of the TV, you know, and jumping back and forth between you know your regular responsibilities here at home. And I was still glued to it. So, you know, kudos to the NFL for, for that. I was going to say you would probably been that way anyway, no matter if it was a live draft uh, or a, you know, video draft or whatever, because you are all about NFL. And I have lately been, you know, the last few years gotten into it more and more and more. And I've become a really, really big fan. And I have started to do mock drafts myself. I've started to, you know, really get into looking at prospects and breaking them down. And it's it's become a really fun thing for me, like a distraction from everyday life kind of thing that you can try to, you know, put your, your GM hat on and see who you would pick and, you know, try to make a case 
for you know against your friends and everything else and, and you know I make the case on this on the podcast now and now we have a platform to to jump out there and talk about it you know and hopefully other people will interact with us about what they think and what we think and if we have good ideas and things like that it's 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 become really really fun and I think the NFL does a fantastic job like you said catering to the fans and making it an event like if you look back 20, 30 years ago, the NFL draft, it was an event, but it wasn't the event that it is now. Like you said, it's pretty much second only to the Super Bowl in terms of, you know, how big events are for the entirety of the NFL. And the NFL is second to none when it comes to catering to its fans and really um, making a spectacle of everything. They have done an absolutely fantastic job, especially moving it out of New York City moving it from city to city. I thought the Nashville one was tremendous. It was it looked like it was a ton of fun. I wish I could have been there uh if I, you know we had more money <laughs> to go down there. But I you we know listen to the podcast so we can take a trip down to the NFL draft one day. <laughs> yeah, everyone listen to this and, and you know donate and support support the podcast so that we can <laughs> make enough money and we can go down there and we can broadcast live down there, you know, with all the now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> Dante, yeah, dude. Now I can with all the equipment that we have, we could we could do some some real legit stuff down there and I think that that would be fantastic. So if anyone wants to fund that, by all means. Yeah. I think I think you make a very good point, and it's actually I think it's a good opportunity to to start here as a comparison with the NHL draft. And I'll, I'll ask you outright: between the two, how much excitement do you get? And, and just total bias of which sport you prefer aside, but as far as what the the draft and what the league does with the draft on its own what they do to excite you essentially because based on our conversation so far the way i see it is i feel like the nfl does way more for the fans to to not only get excited about but almost participate in like you you had mentioned mock drafts and you got the fantasy leagues and there's a, a lot that that goes into everything leading up to the draft and then after i don't know how much of that is absorbed by NHL fans with their draft. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I For some reason, I feel like football just lends itself to things like mock drafts and, and things like that because it, you know, it's covered so well and so much. It's, it is the biggest sport in the United States. So it's, it's got tons of coverage and it's got rankings and, and, all sorts of different, uh, you know, uh, you know, scouting things and things like that 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 you can look into and read into and and just it's just covered so well that it makes it easier for somebody who may be not a professional to really dive deep into those things and <clears throat> make it that much more exciting for the people to really want to you know jump into. The NHL is not really like that, you know. It's it's the fourth of the you know four major sports. It might even be fifth now. Uh, the MLS might even have uh, surpassed it in terms of popularity. Uh, oh, surpassed the NHL in terms of popularity. I'm not quite sure, but last I checked, I think the NHL was fourth. You know, it's behind the N- the NFL. It's behind the MLB. It's behind the NBA. So it you know it 
it doesn't necessarily get the amount of coverage that the NFL gets. And when it comes to, like you were saying, the the NFL draft, when you're comparing the two, they're just they're so different because of the structures of both leagues. In my opinion, I think that's what makes it so much different between the two. So it's it really comes down to like what you if you like one or the other, which what you prefer more, especially as as far as like the NFL is more like a these guys could potentially have an immediate impact like right now, or if you like thinking about long term things, you know you like following guys' development, and you like watching guys grow year after year, and that makes you excited to be able to come in and help your team, you know, maybe two years down the line where you have to plan in the future future, you know, if you don't draft well in the NHL, your team sucks, as evidence with the Buffalo Sabres, (laughs) they have not drafted well for 10 years, and they suck, they have been terrible for 10 straight years, The, the times when they were good, is when they actually were able to draft well, and that hasn't been the case. In the NHL, it's it's so much harder to flip a team than it is the NFL. And that's some of the like the pros and cons that I was, you know, talking about in terms of each each of the drafts. Uh one of the pros in the NFL is these guys get to essentially come right in and they have a better chance of being an immediate impact for the team that drafts them. Now, whether or not they are that impact is a whole nother story. You know, they, they still have position battles and everything like that. Some of these guys don't even end up making the 53-man roster, but they come in and they are essentially just ready to play right off the bat is, you know, how the NFL and, and college football is, how it's been structured over the last however many years. There's not really any more development leagues or anything like that. So, like, if you're not good enough to be in the NFL, you're just not going to be in the NFL. You're going to get cut if if they think that, you know, you're not showing up to your full potential. You're going to be cut, and you're going to be looking for a new team. You're not really going to have an opportunity to get any better than what you are the day you're drafted, essentially. You're not going to have a chance to play professional somewhere else and maybe hone in on your skills or anything like that. It's what you see is what you get for football. And that is, like I said, being able to come in and have like an immediate impact is definitely a pro for the NFL. And that's one of the things that I wrote down is a pro for is they have a chance to come in, potentially be an immediate impact. And one of the things that it does for the NFL is it can help create parity which is another one of the things that you had that you had it as a negative, but I have it as a positive is the way that the NFL does the draft order. And they do it in a way that the the worst team is guaranteed the first pick and in essentially in reverse order. And I like that. And the reason why I like that is because the NFL is harder to tank essentially um, than the NHL. So I, I can understand why the NHL has more of a lottery, but in the the NFL, it's it's a lot harder to tank. Honestly, like you looked at the Dolphins, they got rid of every single good player that they had, and they still won what four or five games last year. Like these guys are playing for jobs and things like that. So as much as we think that they're trying to tank, the the level of competition in the NFL, you know, it's all these guys are essentially fairly even in terms of 
how well they play. You know what I mean? So what I was, you know, get back to what I was saying is it's harder to tank in the NFL, but, and that's why I like how the NFL is, you know, reverse order, the worst, the worst team gets the, the essentially their, their pick of the litter. They get to, to pick who they want. They get to go first. If there's like some sort of generational talent, some sort of generational quarterback, whatever, it makes their team instantly better for the next year. You look at the Indianapolis Colts. This is probably the best example. They had Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning goes down. They say, okay, we're going to move on from Peyton Manning. We don't want him anymore. He's older. He's had neck surgery. We don't know if he's going to be the same guy. You know, we're going to, we're going to think about the future. They sucked horribly for one year. Won two games, I think, with what Curtis Painter or Painter as their, their quarterback. And they got they were able to draft Andrew Luck. And that completely turned their franchise around. In the NHL, you can't really do that. And that's for the NFL, it helps create parity, essentially, in my opinion. So like you get a team like the Indianapolis Colts who were really terrible for one year, their fans don't have to suffer too long because they're gonna get their pick of the litter at the you know, the next year in the draft. They draft Andrew Luck, and lo and behold, guess what? They're a ten win team again. Just like that, it helps flip bad teams, makes them good, and it gives the fan bases more hope that every single year is a completely new year. And it's not really like that in hockey. And I think that's a huge, huge pro for the NFL. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as that goes? Well, I, I'm you're definitely not wrong by any means. Um and it's not just like an opinion thing. Like factually, I, I think you're absolutely correct. And you had a very good example of, of, of why that works and, and how well it works. Um, I'll just, I'll circle back to the, the player development thing. I think that is one of the, the main gripes I have with the NHL is their player development. Now, the thing that they do have going for them that they, the NFL doesn't have going for them is, they do have farm systems and they, they have really a wide network of places that young players can go, especially drafted prospects can go to develop their game before they make their way into the league. And I know it, I, it's, it's very particular to this sport. And I, th- I, I feel like the, you hit the nail on the head. The NFL is more of a a right now league. The the patience that the league has for not just players but even coaches and GMs, like you get a very small window for success, and then there's turnover, and nobody knows turnover better than the fans of Buffalo. I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen what happens when you don't succeed enough in this league. The NHL, while the Sabres are kind of right now, they're they, they're a team that we've seen have a lot of turnover the last few years. But I feel like part of the problem is not just the leadership with that organization, but the drafting has been terrible. And I don't know if that's just from a scouting standpoint, but it's also a player development thing. And I... I I know that you had mentioned it. I believe it was in the last episode you had had touched on, you know, maybe the the organization got bit by the trying to win now thing that it doesn't really work well in the NHL. 
you know, the, the, to do it, like if you do it, you have to do it a certain way and you have to do it damn near perfect to get it, to pull to pull it off. However, in our instance, when the Sabres tried to, to go into win now and sell prospects and, and sell draft picks in order to get guys with more experience and get any, you know, it didn't really work out. However, I looked at it as it's not that it can't work. The execution was poor. I, I feel like you can do that in the NHL to make it work as long as you you have the right the right hockey minds in the organization. I think that's why you're seeing the Sabres completely clean house right now is because they just they executed their plan very poorly. And they they had a lot of young talent sitting there and the the Rochester team was doing well, mind you. But even they looked at it, the Bagulas looked at it and went, we're getting rid of the head coach. We're getting rid of all these scouts. You know, we're just, while player development will be important, if we don't start winning now, it matters nothing. And that's where I think the NFL succeeds more so than the NHL because you're drafting guys that are, are f- almost five to six years out of, out of, out of getting their full development in before you even see them step foot inside an NHL arena. And that to me is just, it's, it's insane. Why mm-hmm. bother having seven rounds of, of picks if everyone, let's say from round four to seven, you, they're, they're so far away from being developed that they'll spend more time in, in, in high school still or college or any of these farm clubs before they ever, and, and by that time, some of these players the, the GMs that drafted them, they'll be out of a job. The head coaches that were meant to coach them when they made it, they're out of the job if they haven't succeeded. You know what I mean? It, it just, to me, it doesn't make sense with the way they have it set up. Uh, there, and there has been, there has been talk about potentially, um, or maybe it's just what I'm, what I'm seeing on Twitter anyway, but there, from what I see is like, there's a lot of people that advocate for, you know, potentially making it, how it used to be. I think it used to be you have to be at least 20 years old to be drafted into the NHL. Um, and they said that they should give some exceptions, you know, guys like Connor McDavid and, and Jack Eichel and guys like that. And, you know, Jack Hughes uh, of the New Jersey Devils. These guys were able to come in as teenagers and be impactful straight away. And there was no reason for them to essentially wait two more years and, you know, essentially waste two years of their career dominating so much lesser talent. So if if they can come up with a way that guys who are special like that can still find themselves in the NHL, I don't think that I would be against having guys getting drafted at the age of 20 instead of at the age of, like, 18. Because a lot of these guys are, I think you have to be, a, you have to hit a certain cutoff. I think you could be 17, but you know, 17, 18 years old. You know, a lot of these guys aren't grown men. You look at the case of like for the Buffalo Sabers, Casey Middlestep. He, I mean, he was phenomenal in the in the World Juniors. I watched him personally. I know I said this on the last podcast. I, I don't think the Sabers should give up on him yet. He is just tremendously talented kid. But that's just it. He was a kid. He was one year removed from high school hockey, and you tried to put him in the best 
league in the entire world, and it just, he was not ready for it. He physically was not ready for it yet, and it showed on the ice. He was, you know, he gets beat up, pushed around, everything like that. And he's a bigger kid. Like, don't get me wrong. He's, what, six, he was like six feet, 201. So it's not like he was a small guy getting pushed around, but he just, his body wasn't physically mature enough yet. And I think, I think that that's the perfect example because he he's a perfect example for what we're talking about, you know, going too early. But he's also a perfect example for the exception to being patient with. Like you said, you believe he's really good and good enough that you should wait and develop him and and give him the time necessary to work his way up to, you know, being physically and mentally ready to be in the league. And, you know, you can make an exception for drafting him in the first round kind of thing, right? Like you look at him and you go, clearly he's a very special talent. He's clearly, you know, out of all the guys we scouted for this year, he's a top 10 talent. And you could totally get away with drafting him in the first round and sitting on him for a few years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think However, there's, there's some guys that they just, it, it doesn't work out and it doesn't fit. And I think this is where the player development and the, the eligibility rules that the NFL has in place that I feel works out so much better for them. So it's stated that to be eligible for the NFL draft, players must have been out of high school for at least three years and must have used up their college eligibility before the start of the next college football season. Underclassmen and players who have graduated before using all their college eligibility may request the league's approval to enter the draft early. So by doing it this way, it helps ensure that a prospect has maximized their opportunity to develop both mentally and physically to be best prepared for the demands of the game at the next level and give rookies better chance at making an impact early. That's where I think the NHL misses the mark because once you get past like the first two rounds, I would even say the first round and a half, once you've, you've gone past that, that's when the, the drop off is, is incredibly noticeable. So real quick, I, I want to, I want to go back to a great article on a website called uh, liveabout.com. Uh, it was written by a Jamie Fitzpatrick, and it highlights a lot of what bothers me about the current state of the league's draft. It's well known that 200 players that are selected in the draft, those selected in the first round are considerably better than those selected in later rounds. Now, how this article chose to evaluate the draft was by looking at players drafted in the nineties and set a bar of like 200 games played. And what they found was that all the players drafted in, in those years, 19% played in at least 200 games by 2007. So what that means is of the 2,600 players whose names were called on draft day, 494 had appeared in at least 200 NHL games. And of those 494 players, 160 were first-round picks. And what that means is that those 164 players, only 13% of players selected in the other six rounds of the draft ended up going on to having meaningful careers in the NHL. And while the results can vary, just look at NHL Hall of Famer's Luke Robitaille, who was drafted in the ninth round, Doug Gilmore, seventh round, Brett Hall, sixth round, and more recently, Pavel Datsuk in the sixth round. 
who is more than likely going to be a future Hall of Famer in his own right. And it becomes pretty clear that when you start getting into the later rounds of the draft, the drop-off in potential is pretty steep. I think, I don't know if the, the, the drop-off in potential is steep. It's just the at the points of development are, you know what I mean? Like the first round in the NHL, it's... It's still it's it's hit or miss in, in both leagues. Realistically, if you you really have to have a good scouting department in order to hit on a lot of these players. Obviously, it's easier to hit in the first round than it is to hit in the later rounds, and that's simply because there's so much more talent available to you. But I think with the the NHL is um, first off, I want to I want to rebut that article, so to speak. And this is not, it's not factual or anything like that. This is just me speaking from essentially my knowledge of the last, you know, three decades or so of, of, well, I haven't been watching since I was two, but close to three decades (laughs) of watching hockey. Um, It's the nineties to now is so much different, especially just the, the talent wise around the, the league in and of itself. In the 90s, you had guys on the third and fourth line that, you know, nobody essentially even really remembers, you know, unless they're like a fan favorite or an, an enforcer or something like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't tell you who was on the third line. I couldn't tell you who was on the Buffalo Sabres third line in, you know, 1996, 97, 98. You know, I couldn't tell you who was on the third line or anything like that. The, the the talent has just skyrocketed in the NHL and not just in North America, but in the world. And that's a huge thing. Uh, one of the pros that I wrote down for the NHL is in their draft, they have so much more talent to choose from. It, it's, it, they have so much more talent to choose from in and around the world because there are other leagues, you know, the KHL, the SHL, Liga. There's tons of other leagues that that you can essentially pick guys from or loan these guys to other leagues. And at least from a player standpoint, hockey is a, a better sport. Now, you don't necessarily get paid as much. The top players don't get paid anywhere near what the top players in the NFL get obviously, but I feel like the bottom players, their careers last longer. You know what I mean? If you, st- if you can stick on a fourth line or something like that in the NHL, you can, you're, you can make your career last a lot longer. Even if you don't stick in the NHL, like if, if you are an, an undrafted guy in the NHL, you can go overseas and play hockey and you can still make a good living playing hockey like you can you and and developing and then have another crack at the NHL a little bit later say uh, you know you can't you can't do that in the NFL and for I think that's I think that's one of the things that the NHL does right you know what I mean as far as uh, taking care of players is you can hone your craft essentially like let's say you're 20 uh, we have Victor uh, Olofsson great example they drafted him in the seventh round five years ago. Five years ago. Last year was the first year he played in the NHL. And he played very, very well, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone in Buffalo would disagree with me. Obviously, he it's a little bit easier when you play with Jack Eichel, but he scored 20 goals. He had 23 assists. 
He looked more and more comfortable every single game, but he played four full seasons in the SHL and he was able to hone his craft. He was able to get better against high quality competition. Like you can't do that in the NFL. If you don't make it, you just don't make it. And you can't really hone your craft against anybody. You can't go somewhere else and play and then maybe have another opportunity later, you know, in your, you know, when you're 26, you know, you can't, especially since NFL Europe is gone, you, you, you miss out on a lot of guys like a Fred Jackson, who was a division three guy who needed a little bit extra time to go and play against top talent to hone his skill and see what it takes on a on a daily basis to compete with these guys. And then you look, he comes into Buffalo and he was, I don't want to say he was a star, but he was a fan favorite here and he was tremendously good. You know, I thought he was fantastic. He always seemingly fell forward. He always made something out of nothing. And I think that's the the biggest thing the NFL lacks, period, is the the lack of a developmental league that can filter them these guys into the NFL. But like you said, it, the NFL is a, a win-now league. So if you don't make it, guess what? You don't make it. There's a whole other batch of guys coming out the next year that are going to have that same opportunity. That's why the careers in the NFL are so short. I think it's three and a half years of potentially being paid to play football, and that's it. You know, you don't get a whole lot of opportunity to stick in the NFL because there's always somebody really trying to take your job. And it's not like that in the in the uh, the NHL. You, I feel like you get more of an opportunity to follow these guys, to really start to care about these guys, to want to follow their careers, and then when they get here, you want to cheer for them that much harder because of all the work that they put in over the course of, you know, three, four years. You've been you've been following these guys for four years before they even got to your team. It makes you love them that much more. You know what I mean? It makes you want them to succeed that much more, and I feel like you feel a little bit more connected, I guess, is the word. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but like feel a little bit more connected to the team that you're watching, and I think maybe that's one of the things that the NHL does right. Um, but you really have to be able to enjoy, this is going to sound so awful because we're in Buffalo now, but enjoy the process. You know, you have to enjoy <laughs> the process of thinking long-term. You know what I mean? Like, I really, when we drafted Casey Middlesat after watching him at the World Juniors, I really liked looking at, looking him up, looking him up in college and following his college career. He should have spent another year in college and then a year in the AHL. And this year, maybe he should have been trying to play in the NHL. And the Sabres completely jacked up him. But that's besides the point. You know what I mean? You start to like these guys. I started to follow Dylan uh, Dylan Cousins, the Sabres draft pick last year. He had an opportunity to make the Sabres. They didn't think he was quite ready yet. They did Dylan Cousins the uh, so far the right way. He went back to the WHL, and then he dominated in the WHL. The only problem is, as far as the rules go, if he doesn't make the Buffalo Sabres this year, I think this is one of the things that the... the uh, the NHL gets wrong too. If he doesn't make the NHL this year, he has to go back to the WHL again. He dominated the WHL. There's nothing. There's no more development for him there. He, If he's not ready for the NHL, he needs to be able to go to the AHL and play against grown men 
and see what it takes to be a professional on a night in and night out basis and and see you know what I mean and and get the grind and you know have the grind going of what it's like to be in the NHL and play 82 games you know I know the AHL only plays 76 games but that's still a ton of games for a young player and what you learn in the AHL is you learn how to be consistent you know what I mean you you learn that consistency uh, to be able to to perform night in and night out you learn how to play with grown men you learn how physical it is and things like that and that prepares you well in my opinion for the NHL so that's like I said that's one of the things in my opinion that the NHL does right now like you said before we're going to talk I want to talk about a con for the NHL and I think that's the lottery based draft system and you have that as a plus why do you have the the lottery based draft system as a plus as opposed to a con for the NHL and, you know, like the NFL. I know you, I think you believe you would like to have a a draft lottery similar to the NBA and the NHL in the NFL. Why is that? Well, the whole, the whole reason I'm okay with a lottery system is there's so many games in a season in the NHL that, a team, I think, like you would describe the NFL, it would be a lot harder for them to tank a season, as it were, right? So you're not so worried about a team doing that, and which is why you're okay with essentially a reverse draft order. Obviously, the worst team will get the, the number one pick, and the Super Bowl team will get the last pick. However... It's just, it's a lot easier, I think, in the NHL to phone it in if you wanted to and and get away. There's so many so many games through the season. So many players get injured. And, and again, like any other league, and it's not just the NHL, but they're very particular about what they disclose to the media as far as an injury, upper body injury, lower body. So if a team wanted to, all they had to say was if they're, if, if they're three, you know, halfway through the season and it doesn't look like things are going to go well and they're not going to be able to, to squeeze into a playoff spot at the very end there, you know, during the spring, then they could easily go, listen, we're going to rest our better players. Jack Eichel's got a lower body injury. He's not going to be playing, you know, Sam Reinhardt's got an upper body injury and he's going to be out the next couple of weeks. They, they, that's all they have to do. That's all they have to disclose. And nobody would ever be the wiser. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's only 16 games that you get in an NFL season. And so much can happen from those first five, six, seven games to the end of the year. We've seen it ourselves. We sat here and we watched, you know, the the playoff drought for the the Bills end, you know, with that miracle in Cincinnati. You know what I mean? That that was where we literally every game counted and we we had to win our game plus get help. So there there was no way that we could just phone it in and call it quits and you know what I mean? It's you literally have to play every single game and make every single game count because you only have 16. Yeah, the well, NHL has three times as many games that you play throughout the year. One of the things that um, makes it more difficult for teams to tank in the, uh, the NFL is the, the trade deadline 
I know they're they're completely different, but the trade deadline in the NFL is so far. It's like what I think it's week six in the NFL is the trade deadline. You have no idea whether or not you're still in the race or not. So it's not like you can just go and just trade away all your your really talented players and just say we're phoning it in for the season. You could be you know one in you know what one in five and still make the playoffs. Essentially, you could be two and four and still make the playoffs. So it's really, really difficult in the NFL as far as that goes to to tank, which is what makes it easier for the NFL to not have the tanking problem that was seemingly plaguing the NHL. The NHL, when you you have roughly 20 games left, so you are two thirds away or two thirds of the of the way done with the season. 20-plus games, done with the season, when the trade deadline comes, you have a pretty solid idea of whether or not you're going to be making the playoffs in the NHL, and you can just say, like, you know what? Forget this. Fire sale. We're selling everybody. This isn't working. We're going to tear it down, and we're going to rebuild it. And the year that Jack Eichel and uh, Connor McDavid came out, if you were in last place, and they had to change the rules because of this. If you were in last place, you are guaranteed to fall no lower than the number two pick. And that's why the Sabres did what they did. And they still ended up winning games, which I have no idea how, because that was the most god-awful team I've ever seen the Sabres put on the ice. <laughs> it was so bad. And then when, when, uh, when yeah, like Michael Neuvers, who was actually playing really well, they traded him because he was playing too well. <laughs> you know, you don't see that in the NFL, essentially, because, like I said, it, it's the NFL is like a, a win right now. So, and there's, like I said, there's always seemingly another batch of really talented guys coming out, and it's not like that in the NHL. So, like, if we didn't get Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel, even though it seemingly hasn't mattered too much because, you know, we got Jack Eichel, we we did what we wanted to do. Yeah. They haven't put the pieces around him that could make the Sabres successful. Jack Eichel is every bit the player that we thought he was. He's more than I thought he was going to be after his first couple seasons. Last year, he blew me out of the water. I thought he was going to be an, you know, a 75 to 85 point player, you know, maybe just a shade over one. Last year, he was incredible. He was incredible. He was on pace for over 90 points. For most of the season, he was on pace for over 100 points. And he was doing it with who? <laughs> with who? Essentially. He had, you know, he's got a couple of decent players, but he doesn't have any, you know, big time superstars. You look at teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs, that team is stacked, loaded with offensive talent. And they're still, you know what I mean? Like, you have guys like Austin Matthews, who everyone always compares to Jack Eichel. They're just stacked, loaded. And Eichel's doing that by himself. But anyway. You go back to like the uh, the draft, and it's just it's harder for NFL teams to tank, like you said, because these a lot of these guys are playing for jobs. In the NHL, it's not necessarily like that. If these guys get some of these guys get get sent down, they're still getting paid to play hockey. Essentially, now it's not going to be. I think the NHL minimum is like five hundred and fifty thousand or something like that. And the, the AHL minimum is like forty two thousand. <laughs> so it's a 
pretty big difference, but these guys get paid per game, essentially. They get paid per game checks. So it's, um, you know, it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's not like the end of your career if you get sent down because you can always be called back up. You can always perform well and be called back up again. So I think there's less urgency in terms of players. Care. I don't want to say caring because I, I feel like every player obviously cares, but there's there's... There may be less urgency to kind of save your career, so to speak, in the NHL because it's more like an old boys club. You know what I mean? Like, you got guys like Drew Stafford who played well into his 30s, late 30s, and he was, you know, he was pretty good with the Sabres, and then he was in New Jersey, and he was just, you know, he was okay. You know, these guys are able to kind of hold on a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer than guys in the NFL, so to speak. So they're not battling for jobs quite the way that the guys in the NFL are. So it's 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 a lot harder to tank. One of the cons for the NFL draft, in my opinion, and they changed it fairly recently, right, is the fact that they hold the NFL draft over three days. And I just think that's a little too much. Uh for me, anyway, I feel like that's a little too much. By, like, day three, I'm kind of like, ugh, all right, let's pick up whoever, you, whoever you're going to pick up and let's, you know, let's get the ball rolling and, you know, let's get into spring training and or spring training, that's baseball. Let's get into, like, mini camp and things like that and let's, let's you know what I mean, by the end of it. I don't know. that That's how I feel. I don't know if that's how you feel, but. No, I, I'm definitely with you. The duration of it is, I mean, again, I'm – out of the two of us, I'm definitely the bigger football fan. And like you said, I'd be sitting there watching all three days and I'll, I'll call you and tell you how excited I am about a guy, you know, in the, in the fifth, sixth round or whatever. And you, but you could tell too, the, the pageantry kind of winds down a little bit too, right. With, with these players um, that are drafted past the third round, essentially, you know, once you go four to seven, you, you kind of see, I, I don't want to say the the networks or the league or anybody is phoning it in with, with these guys, you know, there's still some of these analysts when they're, they're covering these picks, you could still see there's some excitement for these players, but it's just not, you just, you're sitting there and you're going, I don't have this much time to just sit here with this. I want to see it. I'm on pins and needles to see who my team ends up with, but, there's just so I only have so many hours in a day and I can't dedicate that much time, especially when you're, you know, a little bit older, you're, you know, a father, a husband and whatever, or you just, you just have a life in general. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, you know, moving it from a three day event to a two day weekend or something with earlier start times, rather than holding it late on a Thursday and Friday for the first three rounds, I think it would go a long way in improving the experience, particularly for those watching at home, you know, um, maybe hold the first round on a Friday night and the remaining six rounds on a Saturday within an earlier start time could be a solution. You know, this way for, for most fans, regardless of which, which coast they reside on, will have the chance to, to head home their favorite sports bar or the team's local draft party. You know, if you live in an NFL city, to hang out and enjoy the festivities without interference of the time difference of, or work, essentially. Yeah, I agree with you there. It 
like I said, I, I just feel like by day three of the NFL draft, you're kind of worn out with all the draft talk and everything like that, especially when you get into, you know, round five, round six. You're kind of like, okay, it needs to be over now. Let's let's pick, you know, pick the pace up. Let's keep things moving. You know, I'm over this. I've been sitting here for three straight days watching this, and it's, you know, I'm like you said, the pageantry starts to kind of wear off after three days. It's like watching a three-day football game, you know. You're super excited for it in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, you know, by like, you know, the fourth quarter, you're like, Jesus Christ, this this, this crap needs to end. Like, I got, I got stuff I got to do, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And I think that, like, I think that's one of the things that the NHL does right. You know, you get... You can build it up and put it in prime time. The big, high-profile players in rounds one and two and even three, you know, and I, I think, I, honestly, I think the NFL would benefit from that. I think if the NFL wants to put it in prime time or close to prime time, even on a Saturday, if they did, if the NFL did a Saturday and Sunday, I think people would be absolutely thrilled, first off, um, like a Saturday night in prime time, or like I said, close to prime time, you do a seven o'clock start or eight, even a you know seven o'clock start. You know the draft will will be done by ten o'clock. You know people who are younger can still go out. Older people, you know, people with families and what can still go to bed at a fairly decent hour. And you do rounds one through three. You know what I mean? And I. They draw out the first round way too long also. They give these guys way too much time um, to make their picks. If they just shorten it, like, okay, you guys, each team's got two minutes. You got two and a half minutes. Like, you have to make your pick or trade your pick, and you have to do it now. You know, it's not like you guys didn't haven't had enough preparation. I think in the notes that you sent me, you know, the, the new season essentially starts in, like, March, and the draft isn't until the end of April normally. So you have a huge amount of time in there to really dig deep into a lot of these prospects and have your staff dig deep into a lot of these prospects and set up your draft board, essentially. Like, you should know who you're going to pick if it hit, you know, if they hit you at a certain round, essentially. You well, know, in, in their defense, in their defense, because, I mean, it's not all bad. The, the reason I had said you can keep the first round on its own day is because I know that the first round is their, their money round. You know what I mean? Those are the best of the best players that are going to go to your team. That's when the most people are going to be watching because those are the players they're waiting to see. And we know better than anybody watching at Oliver fall that even though they've had all this time to prepare and get their draft, even Brandon Beaton was shocked that at Oliver fell as far as he did to them. You know what I mean? Or they were able to move up and get Josh Allen and then move, you know, back back up up again and get Tremaine Edmonds in the first. You know what I mean? What a stellar draft that was, by the way. And again, to their credit for the later rounds, they did shorten the the time in between picks for for these teams. What is it? They shortened it. I think it was like maybe five minutes in between picks to like two minutes or something. Yeah, it's something pretty close to that. Yeah, they, they shaved a good amount of time off it, but it's still, like we said, it's still a little, it drags on a little too long. But yeah. I, I, I'm totally willing to give the first round its own day because, again, it's that's their, their money day for the, the draft. That's that's where all the hype and excitement's going to come from. That's where 
anybody who's anybody like, let's be honest, my my mom is a football fan. She loves it, but she doesn't pay attention to it anywhere near as close as we do. She's yeah. not a football fan in that right. She represents a majority of the population in the United States that likes football, likes their hometown team, cheers, watches on Sundays, whatever, but you're not going to catch her at a sports bar or, or working her own podcast or doing fantasy drafts or anything like that like we are. Yeah. But those are the people they're they're getting to tune in on that night. Do you so do you really think that there that we are the in the minority? I mean obviously, you know, not everyone's doing the the podcasting and things like that and you know all that stuff online, but do you really think we're the minority as far as like watching things in the NFL? Obviously, we watch it. I watched it a little bit closer. We did like a full breakdown of the entire draft, but I think we. I think it's probably closer to like fifty-fifty. I think if you did like rounds one and two on the first day, I think any anyone who's a football fan will watch a majority of rounds one and two, at least at least rounds one and two, because you're still getting bona fide studs in the second round of the NFL draft. This year actually is a good example of what you're saying because, you know, we had guys like AJ Epinesa fall who was talked about going in the first round for the last year and a half. Um, There was a couple other guys like when I figured we would take a a running back at some point, there was a player out of Ohio state, uh, JK Dobbins who ended up going to Baltimore he, he was a guy who talked about being possibly at the bottom of the um, the first round. You know, there's going to be a lot of talent that ends up being talked about as first-round guys that end up falling into the, the first half of the second there or whatever. So, again, I while I'm, I'd be totally fine if that's the route they went, I what I'm saying is I understand yeah. them giving the first round its own day. But like you said, it, it would totally make sense and, and wouldn't be unreasonable to think, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of reason for even the most average of football fan, like my mother, who would sit there and pay attention to that because there there could be a lot of good guys that who were once talking about being a a top twenty or, you know, fifteen to fifteen to twenty five pick who ends up falling for whatever reason. You know, and that's who AJ Epinesa was. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's it's totally reasonable to think that that could be a solution, and I wouldn't knock it because, you know, you could make that argument, and again, you could do like I said though, you could get away with it. But I think what you'll end up hearing is it's the first round; these are the the best of the best, and that pageantry we talk about, you're gonna see it dialed to, to 11 on that day for these guys. That's why there's a little bit more time between picks. And because sometimes there's those, those shocked picks where, you know, all the experts and all the draft nicks out there think a team's looking one way and they go another, and that totally changes the board for everybody. So, you know, there's a lot of hype and excitement around that. And, you know, I, I could totally understand why they leave it alone, but I think something would definitely need to be done to kind of hurry things along a little bit for the later rounds, at least three through seven, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's go kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we are just spinning wheels here at this point. Yeah. And it seems like they kind of, they go over and over and over the same 
things when you get to rounds, you know, four, five, six, and and into the later rounds, it it seems like these guys are saying the same things over and over and over again. It's like they they ran out of things to talk about, or they run out of things to, you know, to to say about a player and things like that. And that's I think that's where it gets old. Where you know by day three, whereas if it's just a two day event. You know, it, the the pageantry is not, it hasn't worn off as much. You're more likely to get guys who are, you know, NFL fans and and they want to see their teams do well and, you know, maybe there's not a whole lot else on. They're going to they're gonna stick around for, you know, two full days to watch the NFL draft. You know, when you start getting to, like I said, when you start getting to that third day, like you're literally eating someone's entire weekend. And for somebody who works, you know, I obviously I don't have a nine to five job, but for for people who have nine to fives, your weekend is like your time. It's your time to get stuff done. It's your time to be with your family. It's your time. You know what I mean? And like you can be the most hardcore fan in the entire world, but your family is still going to come first. You know what I mean? Like you're still going to want to spend time with your family and relax and you don't want to have to like push them away because you're you're no you know you're in hour 72 of watching the NFL draft essentially yeah you know and it's definitely what the NHL has going for them is they're they're really short sweet and to the point with it um have have you actually I, I haven't admittedly watched a ton of NFL drafts or NHL drafts but have you watched I I feel like one of the things going against them, like while it is short and sweet and, you know, you can get things done and go through it. I I just don't feel the excitement, at least from the fan base for when some of these picks get announced. And I, I, I don't know if it's the league that doesn't make a, a point of it to, to show the excitement or, or make it exciting for the fans or, or is it that the knowledge of the, the, the league and how the sport is, is ran from their fan base go, I'm excited, but how excited should I be? I don't even know when I'm going to see this guy, if I'll ever see this guy suit up for my team and play. I think that's got a lot more to do with it than not being excited. Like, you can be excited all you want and things like that, but there's, like I said, the NFL, it lends itself, I feel like it lends itself better to scouting and and in-depth analysis and things like that because there's only so many players there's only so many colleges and you know what I mean there's only so many starters in college that have a realistic opportunity of going to the NFL whereas I feel like in hockey there's just the there's so many players like you were saying before um you know hockey is a more of a world sport whereas Football is more of a United States sport. Like, no one else re- realistically around the world watches the NFL. Like, how many, you know, outside of the a couple fringe people here and there in Europe and, you know, Canada and Mexico and things like that that watch the NFL, you're, they're not watching the NFL, I feel like, the same way that other people countries might watch the NHL because they're not really represented as much. You know what I mean? Like you have guys from all over the world in the NHL. Obviously, most of the NHL is still Canadians 
and you know Americans are starting to make a big push in the NHL, but a lot of I would say at 40-50% are Europeans, Russians, you know, things like that. They're from overseas. So it gives people an, a, a chance to to cheer for their people and really pay attention to the NHL more outside of the United States. Um, Wouldn't you think then it would make sense to evolve, maybe not just the sport, but the way that the sport is is put together? So like I said, it's maybe they need to, to lean more towards the NFL system of things Here. and be more of keep up with what you're doing with player development. It works well. It, it clearly works well. But maybe do something with the draft in and of itself to bring excitement to your league. Because let's be honest, while the NFL runs the show in America, it, the hockey, as popular as it is, it's nowhere near as marketable as the NBA or America's pastime, which is baseball and even I look at baseball and go, I don't know how people perceive it to be more popular than hockey, but I don't either. <laughs> I don't, I don't either. Unless, unless I'm at a baseball game and like yeah. I, I played baseball, you know, this, I played baseball for a long time. I was like a, I was an all-star in high school, <laughs> you know? And the only reason why I didn't play college baseball is because I'm lazy. <laughs> That's it. I mean, that was, that was the only reason why I didn't play college baseball, you know? My, my thing is, Everyone complains, and it's it's been said time and time again by hockey critics, hockey fans. You have to do something to make this sport more marketable in America. That's, I mean, or just more marketable, period. Yeah. And I think it starts with the draft. I think you need to stop focusing on all these, because like you said, the prospect pool is so vast for yeah, hockey. It's, it's immense. So vast, okay? And... It's to me, you just you have to narrow it down because the attention span of people is shows it's so short nowadays that nobody sits as far as I'm concerned. I'm not sitting here worried about guys drafted in the third round and later because, again, I don't know that these guys are even going to ever suit up. One of one of the examples I give and it's it's been criticized because it's it's said that it doesn't happen as often as. People make it seem it happens, but my point is it can happen. And because it can happen, it it makes me less interested. So uh, goalie Cal Peterson, he was drafted by Buffalo in the fifth round, and the hopes was he would develop into the goalie of the future for us. He ended up spending the next three years after getting drafted at Notre Dame, as expected, mind you. This wasn't like – it wasn't like the, the Sabres or any other hockey club – didn't know what his plans were. So everyone knew he would stay in college. So he spent the next three years at Notre Dame and the Sabres were not able to sign him within the 30 day window. And Peterson ended up entering free agency and ultimately signing with the LA Kings. The Sabres also were on the other end of things like that. When they traded a third round pick for VC from, um, to, from the, to the predators for his negotiating rights and ultimately lost out on another player. in that's in that scenario as well. So, the way I see it is, in some cases, you might be just throwing draft picks away. You're just you're rolling the dice, and you're not even rolling the dice, hoping that 
he plays for you and he develops and he plays and he becomes a good player. You're rolling the dice that he ever suits up for you to the first place, which to me is, is, is crazy. Yeah. The reason why that happens is because there's a clause, like there's an agreement, I believe between the NCAA and the NHL that if I don't know, I don't know the exact terminology, but if a player plays out their entire career in college hockey, that they have the right to choose to be a free agent over signing with the team that drafted them. And it's just, it's a loophole, essentially. It's a loophole that um, I think needs to be closed, personally. Um, but that's why, Absolutely. but that's why, thi- but that's why things like that happen. And that's why you, that's why also you see, you don't see a lot of guys, realistically, you don't see a lot of guys you know, really being drafted from college hockey. That's why college hockey is not as big as like college football and things like that, because there's so many, there's, you know, there's the entire uh, juniors. There's all of junior hockey, junior a hockey, the, uh, the WHL and and the CHL and things like that. Now those are all teenagers and, and uh, young adults, you know, I think it's, 17, 18, 19, 20, something like that. So like the the times where these kids would be in college playing for, you know, whatever school, they're spent there there's another option for them essentially to go and play and develop and and play against high-level talent and play the the NHL style type hockey, you know, they allow fighting, they you know, big body checks, they don't have to wear full cages, all that kind of stuff. The NCAA is completely different, no fighting, full cages. You know what I mean? Like if you even look at the other guy's head now, like you get kicked out of the game kind of thing. So, it's just it's very different and the NCAA has kind of fall, as far as uh, hockey is concerned, has fallen behind the other options for players. So I think that's kind of why you don't see, well, you don't see a lot of players going into college hockey in the first place, but like I said, though, that's, that's a, that that is a loss for the league too, because hundred percent, I think that the NHL should be more towards. And I said, they should, they should adopt more of the NFL system. Really what I'm saying is maybe they should lean more towards how the NBA does it. The NBA has like a two drafts, uh, a two-round uh, draft system, and they have a mixture of guys coming out of college and a mixture of guys that are coming from overseas. Here's... And I think that's where the NHL should put a focus on, too, and say, and at the very least work with the NCAA. Say, hey, listen, we would like to see, you know, we're going to change our draft around. We'll maybe have three, four rounds of, of, of players drafted. And we would like to to see the NCAA produce more of those players for us. Why? Because they're going to go to college. They're going to get an education. They're going to mature physically and mentally at these schools. And it's going to be good for the schools. It's going to be good for the networks. It's going to be good for our league. You know, just like it is with with uh, baseball, just like it is with basketball, just like it is with football. A lot of these guys are coming from colleges. They're... Some of them are, are two sport at it. Some of them get these guys are getting drafted out of high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like with baseball and, and stuff like that. But again, those are more exceptions. These are guys that are clearly picked out to be like LeBron James came out of high school. You know what I mean? He was just he was so damn good and so far ahead of everybody else. You just he, he take him. That's the guy right there. 
But other these guys, they they go through college. You know what I mean? Yeah. They go through college, and when they make it out of college, some of them end up going playing European leagues overseas, and then they'll get brought in later. They got the G League for the guys that don't get drafted. They have a developmental league. Yeah, you know, there's there's avenues, but I just I don't see the the need for seven rounds in the NHL. And that honestly, that's where all this started for me was. I looked at the NFL, I looked at the NBA, I looked at the NHL, and I, I, I looked more into it and more into it, and I'm going, why the heck does the NHL have seven rounds to pick players? It makes no sense to me. Here's Given the, the state of the sport yeah. and how they go about developing guys, and just if these guys are so far away from being developed and they still need four or five years to come along, let them wait four or five years and then enter the draft. You know what I mean? Just yeah. why bother entering the draft at all if you're in no shape to, to enter the league? Go about your business and develop your your, your game. Go to college. Here's, Go to these, these other farms uh, farm systems where you can you can hone your skills, learn the game, grow your body, grow your mind, and then you're ready for the league. Then you're ready to enter the draft, get drafted, and if the, the team looks at you and still goes, you know what? You were draftable, you were draft eligible, but we're not ready to throw you on the, you know, on the, the NHL club. We're still going to put you in the AHL. And then in a year or two, you come up. I could get behind that. I'll sit and wait a year or two for somebody drafted, you know, in rounds one through four, or at least we'll say three through four. I'll wait one to two years, whatever. But I'm not going to sit here and wait for all these guys. I don't care. I'm not invested in guys drafted five through seven, four through seven. I want guys that are going to come in and help my, my team. They're either going to help my team in the AHL and I can go to Rochester or I can go to Syracuse when they're playing in away games, whatever. I could watch them play and develop and get invested in their time there and then watch them come to Buffalo. Or they come right in because they're ready to play right away. And where they develop is the the fourth line, the third line. And then they, if they get really good, then they move up to the first two. That's the development I want to see, at least when it comes to the draft. Because that's that's crazy to me that I got to sit here and wait to see these kids develop. They're, they're picking – that's what it is. They're kids. You're yeah. picking children. They're not ready. 18, 19. And you brought Middlestad, and I think he's the perfect example. Like I said, he's the perfect example for either or. Fizz – Physically, he wasn't ready. I oh, think. Absolutely. I think mentally and skill wise, he was ready. Physically, he wasn't ready to. Well, here's, well, here's the be in the, be in the NHL, ready. and they that's know that he was mentally ready because let's be honest, you you go in and you you think one way of yourself. Yeah. Coming up, right? You're drafted in the first round. You've dominated all these other leagues you've been in. You get drafted, and then you make your way into the NHL, and you find out it's a it's a whole different animal. Guys so, are bigger, stronger, so, faster, <laughs> right? And you and you have to adjust not just physically but mentally, yeah, because you have to think quicker now too. Yep. So not not only do you have to think quicker while you're on the ice, but you you really got to approach it mentally how you're approaching the game because how do you handle success? How do you handle when you're losing? How do you handle a locker room full of guys that are older than you and have been doing this? And how do you handle with ownership and the fans? You know, we're talking about 18-year-olds. 18-year-olds don't know anything. 
That's true. I didn't know anything at 18 years old. That's why and I didn't I play college baseball. <laughs> can act like they know anything, and you don't have a clue. Yeah. I'm here to tell you, you don't have a clue. You're just figuring out how the world works. And by 18, you may be legally considered an adult. But let's be honest, you haven't matured into an adult status until you're at least 25. Yeah. I mean, some some people some people have, but oh, yeah, I there's I, always exceptions. There's there, always I think, exceptions. I think but you're I'm right. talking broader strokes here. Majority. Broader strokes, generalizations. Most people are not ready for that kind of and, and think about it. Fame too. What does fame do to you? Yeah. What happens if you are good enough, like Jack Eichel style? He's done really well with himself. But there's other guys, they fall into pitfalls, and it's just, it's about who you are. And I would say a majority of these people that go out for these sports, they're just not ready. They're just not ready, and you should sit and you should wait. Mature. Yeah. Then enter the draft. Yeah, that's why I said, one of the reasons why there's so many rounds also is because, like I said, you, there's so many guys that you can choose from. You know what I mean? Like the talent, I, the talent doesn't fall off as far from rounds one to seven as people believe. Realistically, I think what happened, like from like maybe the top ten to the rest of the draft is where it falls dramatically. But from like pick eleven to the last pick, they, I don't think the the talent level is all that crazy off realistically because a lot of these guys are being trained by the same people and they're coming through the same systems and everything like that. Now, granted, maybe they don't all have the same skill set. Maybe one guy's a little bit faster than the other guy, whatever. But the seven rounds is seven rounds is because they're, you can't have necessarily two rounds because like the NBA, the only reason why there's two rounds and there's not more rounds is because there's very limited amount of players. Like how many players do they keep? on a full NBA roster. You know what I mean? Even even between a full NBA and G League roster, there's still probably the amount of players that the, just the NHL keeps. You know what I mean? As far as healthy guys and guys that are scratched, you know, maybe healthy scratches or injuries or whatever, it's that that's essentially two teams worth of guys in terms of NBA is what makes one NHL team. And then they still have to fill out their entire AHL team, that's another 20-plus guys. They still have to... Some of these uh, AHL teams, I believe, are affiliated with ECHL teams, which is a step even below um, the AHL. So, you know, it's guys that are making, you know, maybe 600 bucks a week or something like that playing hockey, but, you know, still trying to live out their dream and things like that. So... The NHL is just set up so much different and has been set up so much different than the NFL. There's so many more options, and I think the the I agree with you that it is it does get frustrating to wait five years for a player to come to your team and really help out. But one of the things that the NHL does more so is you would have to you would have to change so much in the NHL. It's it's crazy. You can trade like two prospects and you know maybe a roster player for a good player in the NHL. There's so many more trades in the the NHL. Also, you know what I mean? Like because of that, because be, of the be, because yeah, because of you have pros like you look at the the, uh, the MLB. They have 
single A, double A, triple A, and then the MLB. You know what I mean? So you can trade guys who are three years out to a good team who might have a plethora of talent to bring in somebody right away that, you know, maybe that, like I said, we had a... We had too many right-handed defensemen for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, Jason Botterill completely botched it, but he was able to trade away one of the assets that we had to potentially bring in help right now. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't have to wait for a defenseman that he drafted three years ago to come in here. You know, he could either take those draft picks and flip them or take those prospects and flip them into a player that's ready right now to a team that's willing to wait maybe a year or two kind of thing. So it's just, the system is just, it's so much different. It's so much, it's so vastly different. And I, it's, which obviously I, you're, I I know which one you like better and it's going to be the NFL, right? You like the NFL draft system better. I do. But like I said, (laughs) I, there's, I think the whole point of this was not to say, the NFL is superior to the NHL. The whole point of this discussion for me was to say, I think there's plenty to be learned from each other as far as leagues go. I think like you touched on it earlier. And that was, I think that's, that to me is the biggest takeaway from all this is player development. Um, We said it before the NHL does a really good job with player development. And I love that they have such a wide range of of players to choose from because it's it's outside just North America. You know what I mean? It's it's we're talking Europe and and around the world. You can you can find players. And that's something I think the NFL could benefit a lot from. You had mentioned NFL Europe and having a developmental league. Um I know that they've tried to make strides. Uh Christian Wade is a example of the NFL trying to reach out further for talent. Um, I just, I think NFL Europe, when I was thinking about an NFL Europe today, I was thinking of it, not a place where you send developmental players from here. I thought of it as strictly European players, guys like Christian Wade, who have NFL aspirations that want to learn the game of American football and can develop their skills with like, say, let's say it's an eight team NFL Europe league and just players from all around the world, as far as not being in, in North America. So we could say Canada, South America, Europe, wherever Asia, if you want to play football, you can go to NFL Europe and that's where you hone your skills. And that's where, you know, Teams from the NFL can send their scouts. They can find players. And then, you know, during the NFL draft, you can draft guys from the NFL Europe League as well as the college. You know what I mean? That's where the the, the two leagues can learn from each other. Yeah. So I think that's the whole point of this topic tonight and, and why I wanted to bring it up and why I wanted to bring up my grievances not only with the NHL, but with the NFL. So, yeah, honestly, it really, de- it, I guess it depends on the day for me. Cause sometimes I really like, I, I love the aspects of both. Okay. That's, 
it's such a cop out answer. It's such a wiener answer, but I really do. I love the fact that the parody in the NFL that you can go to the draft every single year thinking to yourself, my team can get 100% better. My team can do a 180 and be from the worst team in the league to one of the best, you know, to the playoffs. And it's not like that with the the NHL. And I think that's what, especially over the last decade, has really frustrated fans like myself, is, is if you don't have a good GM that can draft well and get guys who, instead of five years away or maybe only three years away, you know, it takes your team longer to get back into the swing of things essentially, or if you have a GM that is good at flipping future guys for current guys and doing it the right way, you could potentially build your team that way. But that's, um, that's kind of, that's kind of how I feel as far as that goes. It's just, for me, it's, it's really, it depends on the day. Like sometimes I really, I don't want to say I love the NHL draft because I, I don't I don't want to say I, I really don't love the NHL draft. I like the thought of building a team through the draft and drafting um, really talented players. Like we got two goalies um, in the later rounds. I believe we have I don't I forgot what round he's drafted in the third or fourth round. I believe you're gonna love this name is Uka Pekalukinen. Uh, that kid is supposed to be an absolute star, an absolute stud. But he was a few years away. Um, There's another guy that they drafted last year, I believe, in the second round. His name is Eric Portillo. He's another goalie that's supposed to be really, really talented. And I, you know what I mean? It, that is fun for me to follow their progress and how good they are. And it makes me excited for when they actually get an opportunity to come up to the NHL. And it makes watching the preseason in the NHL just that much more exciting. You know what I mean? The older I get, the more excited I get for like preseason hockey and preseason football, because you're watching those position battles and you're watching the young guys get an opportunity to show what they have essentially. But okay, so those guys you said were drafted in the second round, respectively. I think Portillo was drafted in the second, second or third round, and I'm almost positive that it was Uka Pekalukin and that was drafted in the third or fourth round. So it was later. You know what I mean? It wasn't the first two rounds. It was late. Right. You know, it was later in the in the draft. I'm almost, okay. So almost now positive. tell me, tell me about a fifth, sixth, or seventh round guy that you're really mm-hmm. excited about that you've been following. There is a guy that the Sabres just got. <laughs> um, I had followed him probably for two years, at least a year, but maybe, no, no, two years. I'm sorry, two years. Two years prior to him coming to Buffalo, and he was a seventh-round pick, and it was one I talked about earlier, and it was Victor Olofsson. Um, I didn't follow him for the, the first two years of his development, but then when um, I really started to pay attention to him, you know, he the last year that he played in the SHL, he led the SHL in goals. So you, you, that makes you really excited. You're going, man, this kid is really developing into something. And then he goes to the AHL where you pay attention to him. Cause now he's only a, he's only a one step away and he puts up 30 goals and 33 assists. 
and you go and you know what seventy games he had sixty six points or sixty three points or it was something like that. He had sixty three points, and you go, wow, he is going to be really really good. And then he comes into the NHL, and you go, I'm telling you, this kid's going to be good. And it makes you that much more invested in him when he actually gets to your team. You know what I mean? So if I feel like you have to be more of a diehard to kind of look further into the draft, of course. And and, I, and it's like that for football, too. It's just that you get to see the guys in the seventh round a lot sooner than you might get to see the guys in the seventh round for the NHL, essentially. So yeah. I would say what I like about... This is what I like about both. <clears throat> I like the NFL because you get an opportunity to see the guys that are drafted immediately. Like, almost, you get to see them... In the training camps, you get to see them in the preseason games. You get to watch the position battles. And it is super fun to watch these guys, you know, battle it out. And it, it it gets to be interesting. And it's like another side story. And it's fun to watch. And these guys are fun to cheer for and things like that. And the NHL, it's fun to watch these guys grow and kind of develop, and it makes you excited for, it gets you, I don't want to say it gets you excited for the future, but it essentially gets you excited for when they when they get to your team, and you're a little bit more invested in them. Like, I'm invested in Dylan Cousins now for the Buffalo Sabres. I'm invested in a, a Casey Middlestat for the Buffalo Sabres. Like, I want to see these kids do good. I want to see them grow because I know the potential that they do have, and I want to see them come in and, and do well you know, in this upcoming year. Hopefully they both get an opportunity. Uh, Dylan Cousins will absolutely get an opportunity, but Casey Middlesat's a restricted free agent. I don't know if they're going to re-sign him, but um, I think if I think the NHL draft would be 100% better if it didn't, like you said, if it didn't take four years for the guy to get here. If it took two years for the guy to get here, like you were mentioning earlier. If it took two years for a guy to get from the WHL to the AHL to the NHL or whatever, the ECHL to the AHL to the NHL or the S, you know, whatever, whatever league they're coming from, if they were like two years out, it would be a lot more exciting, like you said. Or like I said even earlier, I I didn't watch him for the first two years, uh, Olafson for the first two years, and then I started following him two years ago. And it it made me care about him and it made me follow him a little bit more, but Yeah. So essentially the the, the one guy you named right away, Olafson, from the seventh round. Yep. It it essentially took him four or five years, right, to, to make his way up here and, I, and really make an impact. I believe they drafted him in the oh, I think it was the two thousand and sixteen. I think it was 2016 draft, 2016 or 2017. So it took him a few years for sure. I think it took him at least four years. I think I think we drafted him in 16. And then he played a couple of years in the SHL after we drafted him. And then he played in the AHL. And this past year, he was in the NHL. He was drafted in 2014, 181st overall. Oh, geez, that's even further. So yep. they, they must have drafted him when he was like 17. Yeah, so he's 24 right now. So we're talking about six years ago. No, they drafted him when he was 18. 18 years old. Yep. But even if they drafted him when he was 20, 
he was still four years away, essentially. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just hockey is just a different animal. Yeah. For certain guys. Certain guys get bigger, stronger, faster, sooner than you know some other guys. You know what I mean? Like the the don't get me wrong, the NHL is getting younger and younger and younger. Like if you see a twenty eight year old uh NHLer, you're thinking, Oh man, this guy's gonna start dropping off at about thirty one or thirty two. So how many good years do I have left of this guy? And that's the way the NHL is heading right now. You know, the guys are in their prime at like 24 or 25, you know. And in the the NFL, their careers are so short, like when is their prime? (laughs) You know, essentially, their prime is the the second they get drafted. Yeah. So, I mean, again, this is, Olofsson's one of those guys that you can argue either either way for, of why you should keep it the way it is. Because obviously it worked out. Olsen, you know, yeah. made it up here and he's made an impact and yada yada yada. But it's he's also an argument that I'd make where he made his debut last year. He was yeah. drafted in 2014. It literally took him five years to make his his NHL debut. Yeah. And it took someone who I consider to be a very big hockey fan. It took him just a couple years ago to really get invested in it. Yeah. So he got drafted 2014 for at least two years. You didn't really think about him. No. You didn't, you know, you weren't concerned with him. You know, he wasn't in the the hockey club's plans per se, really anywhere in those two to three years. It wasn't until, you know, they signed him to a two-year entry-level contract. It wasn't until 2000, what, seven, 16, 17, where they signed him that – they really brought him in as part of their, their foreseeable futures plans. And he made his debut last year and he's done well. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. And, and it's, it's also not an argument just for the league, but maybe these players, like how well could have Olafson done had he entered the NHL draft, maybe in 2016, 27, like had he not entered in 2014, when he was 18, maybe if he waited and he, he'd be a higher draft pick and maybe he stand to make more money than he is right now, correct? Um, I don't know if that's how – I don't know if it works. I know, Honestly, I don't think it works the same way it works in like the NFL. The NFL has a, a salary structure where the higher you're drafted, the more money you make, essentially. I think the NHL is capped. So like the a rookie deal, you're only the, – the maximum you can make on a rookie deal – is like $950,000 a year or something like that. You can get bonuses, like millions of dollars of bonuses, but you essentially can't make your salary can't be more than like $950,000 a year. And you get that for three years. You know what I mean? That's your entry-level contract is three years. Unless you sign as like a free agent or whatever the case may be, um, later in your life, you know, later in your career, there's a, a ton of different rules and stuff to the NHL and how these guys, you know, these guys get paid and stuff like that. But I, realistically, in as far as it goes, you know, you're talking about a difference of maybe two hundred thousand dollars a year. So you're not looking at a huge difference, um, like you would be in the NFL. Like if you get drafted in the top ten, you're making good money. If you get drafted in the seventh round, which was um, our current cornerback uh was it Dane Jackson he got drafted in the seventh round and I think I just 
seen a story he for his rookie contract it was like three point three million or something like that. It's not like that in the NHL. And in the NHL, you hold on to people's rights longer. Um, you don't go right into unrestricted free agency. You become a restricted free agent. And then a team can sign you. Another team can give you an offer sheet. And you can match it. Or you can go to arbitration. And the arbitrator can say, you're, you know, this is how much they're worth based on this, this, and this. And then you can either sign him or just let him go unrestricted. But there's a lot of different rules uh, in the NHL that allow you to keep your players, your good players, essentially longer than in something like the NFL. So, yeah. But again, I think that's based on the, the system they put in place because yeah. you're taking these guys so young to yeah. begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But Yeah. So again, I, like I said, when we talk about these changes or we discuss our opinions on them, it, if there were any changes to the, like you, maybe people don't think about it this way is when you make changes to your draft system, how much does that have a trickle effect through the league itself and how the business is ran? So yeah, what we're essentially talking about here is if we change the NHL or the NFL draft system, you know, what does that do to the rest of the league? As far as, like you said, you know, how much longer do these clubs get to, get to keep their their top players? What are the the rookie contracts looking like? And how long do they hold on to the rights for? Like, there's a, there's a trickle effect here. And I think it's a very interesting conversation. I mean, obviously, we won't touch on every little thing right now. I mean, that might be a podcast for another day, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very intriguing to think about that as, as something as simple as just changing, you know, like I said taking out three rounds of your, your draft. You have four rounds of your NHL draft, and how much does that change things for you? What does that do to the prospect pool? How do players and, and you know, these, these NHL franchises conduct their business going forward? It's all just very intriguing, and I think it's and – and like I said, maybe it's one of those things that they should look harder into and examine, and, and maybe it's best for business because – there's certain teams that you think about that have been good for so, so long. Yeah. Like the Blackhawks, the Bruins, the Penguins, you know, there, there's just certain teams that you look at and you go, they just, they've been so good for so long. They've done so well with player development and drafting and just, you know, the, the whole nine. And then there's, there's teams like where, you know, like us. And I would even say right now, like Detroit and just, there's there's yeah. certain teams that have fallen into these pitfalls and these these caverns and they haven't been able to just come out of it and see daylight. And these teams have, have been in the draft lottery and have picked in the top five or the top three. And, you know, it's just nothing seems to help. Nothing seems to change. And then, you know, the discussion is, is it the players? Like we've got, we got Jack Eichel, right? We got Sam Reinhardt. We got Dylan Cousins. Like we've, we've got all these top players because we've picked in the top 10 for yeah. so long because we've been so God awful for so long. But yeah. what what difference ha have they made? You know what I mean? Yeah. Hockey is, is so, it's just, you have to, it's so intricate you have to surround your star players with like really good role players, essentially. 
mm-hmm. and it everybody has to just it just has to work together you know what i mean it's so it's just so different you know like in in the nfl you have your 11 starters essentially like that's it you have your 11 starters and then you have a couple you know your your slot receivers and you know whatever but you have your you have your 11 starters and those are the guys who go out and they're they're going to barring injury going to play every single snap for the most part you know what i mean in the nhl it's not like that like you have to rely on your second line and your third line and your fourth line to be able to score points also which is why you know it's it's just i don't want to say it's more of a team game because in the nfl if if one person doesn't do their job then you know the whole play is just absolute it just it falls into nothingness essentially but um there's just more i feel like there's just more more team. You know what I mean? Like you have to rely on lesser players more than you do in the NFL, so to speak. Like you have to rely on guys who aren't superstars in the NHL more so than you do in the NFL. The NFL, your superstars are going to be superstars and they're going to produce and they're going to produce every single game barring injury and they're going to be your go-to guys. Now, Jack Eichel is your go-to guy but he in in a 60 minute game he's only going to play 22 minutes you know what i mean he's only playing 22 minutes of that 60 minute game so for those other you know however many minutes cuz i'm bad at math for those other you know however many minutes you have to rely on lesser players to go out there and get the job done and if you don't surround your superstars with good role players who can contribute um here and there then your team is going to suck like the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres suck. And they suck because they have no second-line center. They have no secondary scoring at all. If Jack Eichel and the first line's not scoring goals, nobody else is. They don't really have a starting goaltender right now. Yeah, their defense is okay. But that's essentially the problem with the Buffalo Sabres. They have, they have not surrounded Jack Eichel with good quality back-end players. And that's the difference in the NHL and the NFL. Now, it's the NFL, you can have good backups, but hopefully they never see the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the NHL, they have to they have to see the ice. Essentially, you have to be able to roll four lines. So, it's just both leagues are a lot are just so much whoops. Both leagues are just so much different and it's it's they're both fun to watch for a lot of different reasons, essentially. But it, you're right. It is very intriguing to think about what would happen for the business side if one thing was changed for the draft. Like, what would happen? What would happen in the NHL if you just said, okay, well, we're going to raise the age to 20. You have to be 20 years old to enter the draft. Unless you're some phenom talent, you know, you have to be 20 years old to enter the draft. You have to, you have to be older. You know, it would change, it would just change so much of how teams approach and how players approach. And it just, I think it would just, it would literally change the game if you did something like that. But would it change it for the better? I don't know. I don't know. Again, that's a, that's a podcast for another day. (laughs) That is a podcast for another day. 
But we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up right now. With that being said, Mark, thank you as always for joining me, giving us this idea. This is probably the longest podcast we've ever done because we're both very interested in our respective sports. Obviously, I love football, and you know you love hockey, but you know we have our our preferences in terms of covering each sport. So we both brought a lot of uh, interesting ideas to the table and whatnot. So again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for giving me this idea. It was it was fun to talk about whether or not well, thank people, you for the, the platform. I appreciate it. Whether or not people are going to listen to us, that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was always it was fun as always. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Remember, if you do like what you're hearing, you can hear me on any of the major pro- uh, podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And of course, you can go to Anchor and listen to me there also. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsTalkBuff1. That's SportsTalkBuff1 on Twitter. You can email me. I have one at either of the two email addresses I have. One of them is SportsTalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. The other one is SportsTalkBuffalo at Gmail.com. You can hit up either one of those to contact me directly. If you have any questions, show ideas, or you just want to chit-chat, by all means, um, open for it. Thanks again for listening, and I hope everyone has a fantastic week.